Brent Mutis here from Capilano University Blues Department of Athletics and Recreation. Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you uh, like it, tell your friends, uh, get back to us with any feedback. And without further ado, here is episode one. Welcome to the first episode of the Cap U Blues podcast. Uh, excited to talk to our, our first ever guest and uh, get his thoughts and recollections on life as uh, Capilano Blues uh, soccer standout. Our first guest on the podcast is Leo Nash. Thanks for making time for us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, surprised I was contacted, but uh, but happy to to help or to you know to, to chat and see what see what we can come up with. Yeah, hopefully the first of many, and uh, you might actually help me get in touch with some of other of our alumni as we progress here. So um, I guess, first of all, before we get into the blues stuff, maybe you could just uh, take some time to tell us about where we're catching up to you today and what the last year has been like for you uh, personally and in, and in the work world. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently at West Van FC, so West Van Football Club. Um, I'm, I'm running the club there as director of football. Um, it's, it's certainly been a very interesting, uh, last year, but I mean, like for everyone really, but, uh, but, you know, yeah, we've sort of uh, had stops and starts here and there, uh, through the different restrictions and that, but, uh, managed our way through as best we can, uh, a, a lot of socially distanced, uh, soccer sessions for the kids, um, which we've, you know, we've done our best to keep, keep exciting and keep entertaining. And I'd say the you know, kids have made it have made it easier to deal with than, than we would have thought. But uh, certainly, you know, I guess everyone's eager to get back to games and get back into scrimmages and that type of thing and contact and 1v1 drills and so on. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what we're waiting for. Um, you know, fingers crossed that it happens soon. But uh, as we all know, with the, the, I guess the most recent updates, it's not looking not looking to be likely. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I've been with West Fan for a number of years now um, and as director of football for the last couple of years. Yeah. Great. Um, and, and just to uh, set the scene of, of uh, what young Leo Nash was like, maybe you could just tell us about um, what your relationship was to sport as a kid and, and maybe when soccer really took root for you. Yeah, I mean, soccer honestly has always been, you know, has, has been very, very important to me. I grew up, uh, I was born in England and, and moved over here when I was seven, eight years old. Um, so obviously being from England, soccer was always was always huge. Um as soon as I moved here, you know, the first thing my parents did was look to get me signed up uh, in a soccer club. And so I did that in Lynn Valley. And, um, you know, and really just it was seven days a week as, as long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's always been my main, main uh, you know, uh, thing to do and main sport and, and main interest in life. And, um, yeah, it really hasn't stopped, you know, since then. So all the way to now. It really is a, a soccer life that, that you've lived ever since then. Um, uh, what, what was the soccer scene like in North Vancouver when you were growing up? I know, you know, minor, minor soccer associations and club programs have really evolved. I think even really in the last 10, 15 years, what, what was, what, where were you playing and what was the scene kind of like as a youngster? Yeah, I was, uh, what was, I? I was playing uh, Lynn Valley, as I said, and, and back then it was sort of, lots of little clubs um, that were, you know, Lynn Valley, Lionsgate, Mount Seymour and that. And, uh, you know, really each, each club, I guess, had five, 600 kids um, and, and sort of their own thing. And that was gold, silver, bronze. Um, and then when you got, when you got to U13, then it, it expanded to uh, Metro and I guess the, the higher levels. And um, that's sort of how I, how I got through it and, and my, my path um, through. Can you think of some of the influences back then, coaches, maybe parents, teammates who really kept you in, interested and um, really determined to go to, to stick with it? Oh, that's a good question. I guess, you know, when I, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I got involved in a, an academy, it was called Canadian Professional Soccer Academy way back then. And it was, uh, it was actually run by a, uh, an ex-professional from England, uh, Ted McDougall. And uh, he he moved over here. I guess him and his wife moved over here after he was retired and and finished up coaching in England. And he started this academy, and uh, they were connected with Manchester City actually uh, back then. And so 
uh, it was pretty cool because the, the manager of Manchester City was, was Alan Ball, and he was uh, a very well-known uh, ex-professional. And uh, him and Ted were good friends. They grew up playing together and things. So there was a connection there with Manchester City. And what happened was uh, we, we got to go over there actually a few times uh, when I was 11, 12 years old. A number of, a number of kids did. And, uh, and yeah, we, we had this connection with Manchester City and this, you know, all of this through Ted McDougall, you know, in, in running it out, I think it was out of Burnaby. He ran most of the sessions at Grassfield on Sunday mornings in Burnaby. Um, and then actually a really cool part of that was uh, Alan Ball's son, uh, Jimmy Ball. He was, he was probably 25 at the time. And he was another sort of, a, I guess, an ex-pro, but he didn't make it as, as, uh, as high up as Alan Ball did and Ted McDougall. But he came over here and he started uh, running sessions and things. And, you know, for me, it was really cool having, having Ted as a, let's say, a 50-year-old, however old he was back then, um, you know, uh, running the sessions and things. But then having a, a young guy. Uh, come in you know 25 year old and all of us were as I said 10 11 12 years old it was really cool to have this this young uh, British guy English guy coming in that you know had played had had been over in England around the big leagues around the big teams and that and um, you know someone that we all really looked up to and then they also had this amazing connection to to Europe and to England specifically so you know I think I would say yeah Jimmy Ball and Ted McDougall were definitely two uh, two guys that that really so I'd say sparked my interest as far as, you know, actually, uh, you know, seeing soccer football as, as something that could be, um, you know, could be something really big. And, you know, it didn't turn out that way for me, obviously, like, like every kid, that's their dream to get overseas and to get over to England um, to play. But, uh, you know, it just really opened my eyes up to that kind of uh, that kind of career or, or that kind of, uh, you know, path moving forward. So, um, yeah, that, that was uh, certainly something that sparked sparked uh, a, a real interest, a real excitement that that it was possible um, for me. So I would say those two guys would be um, the biggest. Obviously, I've you know I've had tons and tons of coaches, a lot of parent coaches, and that as I was younger. And to be fair, I don't want to name them because I probably gave them more problems than uh, an enjoyment <laughs> as far as in soccer. You know, I, honestly, I wasn't I wasn't a an easy kid to coach as a youngster um, and Paul Daly will probably tell you as a young adult as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, th those guys were awesome in my youth years for sure. So. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that answer. Um, you hear about Alan Ball. I think a guy won a world cup and played for the, <laughs> played for the original white caps, won a soccer bowl, nice. I believe. So, I mean, as yes. an 11 and 12 year old, it doesn't <laughs> get much better. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Like get, getting to go over, uh, as I said, to, to Manchester City and to meet him and like, you know, obviously a legend in, in England. Um, yeah, was, was certainly something special uh, as a young kid. So uh, into the more formal years, I guess, um, where you're sort of progressing towards your post-secondary career. I, I think you're an Argyle guy. Um, yes. And I know soccer is a high school sport, but of course it's also huge in the community. So did you do both? Did you compete for your high school and in uh, community soccer? What was what were your kind of mid-teen towards end of high school years like? Um, actually, was it, they were interesting. I, I played for North Shore Selects. You know, as I said, growing up, the when you got to Metro, it sort of combined as a whole North Shore program. And so I played for North Shore Selects. I think it was U13, U14. And, and then I ended up actually going out to the Fraser Rally um, to play uh to play for their metro team um there was i guess in a way it was sort of a, a team that uh whether it's allowed or not tried to recruit players from sort of out of out of the area and so a number of us um from different areas from vancouver burnaby actually a, a good friend uh back then from the island as well came over you know once a week for training and and uh, and for all of our games and that and we had you know we had an unbelievable team uh out in the fraser valley um Obviously, it was a big, big commitment for my parents as far as, uh, you know, getting me out there three, four times a week. But um, yeah, Fraser Valley was my was my Metro team up until, God, I guess all the way up to U18. Um, and then, yeah, I played high school as well. Um, you know, I guess high school was sort of more seen as, as, as everyone knows, it's sort of more for fun, right, with your buddies from school that you're, you know, that you've grown up with and so on, as opposed to a, you know, a, an elite level uh soccer um so yeah played with argyle um off and on um vince alvano and i again didn't always get along so well he was the coach there um but uh but yeah i i played i think it was grade nine and grade 10 and then to grade 11 off and then went back for grade 12 as well 
Um, and that, yeah, it was always a lot of fun. Um, it, it was actually weird how it worked out because when Joe, when Joe Iacobellis, um recruited me to play at Cap, he, uh, he saw me playing with Argyle and, and at Argyle I was playing as a striker. Um, you know, I guess because it was high school soccer. And as I said, it wasn't as the level's not as good as, you know, when you're playing Metro and BC team and that. So, so yeah, he, he saw me as a striker and that's, I guess what he signed me as and uh, you know, always thought of me as a striker. And so when the season started, I, I played as a striker um, and uh, you know, no matter how many times I told him, Joe, I'm a defender, I'm a defender, <laughs> I'm a center back. He said, well, yeah, I've seen you score goals for Argyle. So, you know, you should be able to do it here. So yeah, that was kind of how I guess it's, uh, it worked as far as my my first year at cap anyways um yeah a striker from argyle but uh had never ever ever played striker before so well, that's super interesting and i was gonna ask you about that because i know you wound up playing both positions at cap um but also i find it just fascinating like you talk about the level you played in your metro team but it was it was the it was the time you spent playing at Argyle that kind of got you on the radar <laughs> with Joe Yacobellis. So yeah. it just goes to show you, you never know when and where people are watching you. No, absolutely. You know, I thinking back then, I, I don't think that uh, compared to how it is nowadays, you know, I, I don't think that, um, and this is a long time ago and I'm going to age myself, date myself now, but you know, back, I guess in the late nineties, early two thousands um, you know, I, I don't think there was a lot of, recruiting as far as coaches coming out and watching any Metro games and that type of thing. Um, so I guess that was probably part of the reason, um, you know, that it wasn't, uh, it was sort of, you go to them to, if you want to go to SFU or UBC or, uh, you know, down to the States, you sort of put yourself out there to them. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I guess Joe and whoever saw me playing with Argyle and, and figured, you know, give me a shot. Um, you know, I, I guess I had, there was, opportunities or, or options to go to the States and that, but that was sort of, it was a weird thing. I was actually talking to Claire, um, my wife, but the other day, but you know, I, I guess I had an agent when I was coming out of high school, as weird as that sounds, an agent for getting into U S schools. And so, you know, I had opportunities to go to the U S but uh, really for me, the, the big thing with going to the U S was staying on the West coast. And uh, unfortunately there was nothing, uh, no, no real options uh, as far as, you know, Washington and Oregon and that. Um, and I guess my biggest reason was still be relatively close to home. Um, and, and, you know, as people always say, I guess Vancouver or British Columbia is very similar to Washington and, and to Portland and that. So those are the schools I wanted to go to and, you know, being able to have my parents come down and watch games. I don't, I don't think my dad's barely missed a game since I was eight years old. So, wow. um, you know, it would have been, yeah, that, that was sort of my, my, uh, my number one goal was if I was going to go away, it was going to be somewhere relatively close, um, and yeah, it didn't work out that way. It was more East Coast and things, and it just didn't really, didn't really interest me, I guess. So, um, yeah, so ended up at Cap, which was very, very close to home. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you were you kind of just covered over what I was going to get into next, Sorry. which was uh, no, no, that's that's perfect. Um, I love hearing the stories about um, what your options were as you were finishing up high school and looking to the post secondary option, um, Cap was always in your backyard, I guess. And I mean, do you recall they, they were very six and have been a very successful um, college university soccer program over the years, obviously a lot of success through the nineties. Were you pretty aware of what was going on at cap through your, through the, through those years as you were heading towards um, you know, you entering into that realm? Yeah, honestly um, you know, I, I wasn't, I would say until I got there until I met, you know, until I met Joe, until I met Paul Daly, um, you know, and really then saw the the history, um, you know, that, that cap, especially the cap men's program had had, um, you know, I guess in the, in the early nineties when Paul was there and Mike Dodd and, and all these guys that, uh, you know, that were always tremendous players. Um, I was, that was sort of when I moved over from England, right. I moved over in 91 or 1990 or 91. And so I was very, very young at that point. Um, I think in my high school days, I was, you know, in the, in North Shore news and in the, in the papers and that was all about the cap women's program, right. With Doug, Doug Abercrombie. I mean, they were obviously a very, very successful program for forever, as you know. Um, but that was more the time when I sort of started to look at those types of things and, and that. So I think that was when the women's program was, uh, was very strong. Um, but yeah, when, when I got to cap, I, I really started to learn about the history and, you know, I guess playing those back-to-back national titles and, I've even been three and four years. I think those guys did, which is you know incredible. So yeah, to uh, to learn more about the history as I got there and as I as I was 
I guess uh, looking into cap as a real option was really cool to see, you know, and, and obviously uh, something that, you know, all of us that, that ended up going there that, you know, really wanted to bring back uh, two caps. I'm sure Joe, Joe uh, definitely had that on his mind as he was trying to bring in, uh, you know, a lot of good players. Right. Yeah. Now on, on committing to cap, like, do you remember much? Was it a formal process at all? Like there's <laughs> more paperwork probably involved now. I, I don't know what yeah. it was like for, uh, for yourself, but you said it was, it sounded like it was Joe that kind of made that original contact, but Paul Daly was the head coach. So do you remember? Like, well, was Joe, other... Yeah, go yes. ahead. Sorry. I was say Joe was the coach. My first year, Joe was the coach and Paul was the assistant coach. Paul was still playing with the white caps back then. Okay. So he still had that as his, you know, as his uh, priority. So he was there when he could be there. Um, but yeah, Joe was, Joe was the head coach for my first year. You know, I don't remember it being anything too, uh, too formal. Um, uh, to be very honest, you know, and I probably shouldn't say this on this type of form, but I wasn't uh, a student. I was, you know, I was going there to play soccer. No, that's fine. I appreciate yeah. the honesty. <laughs> that's something you know, you I came was, along with. So it's part of the, part of the yeah, pathway. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, happy to say that I matured and, and obviously grew a lot, uh, you know, in, in my first couple of years at CAP and then figured, okay, you know, I'm here. I obviously need to be getting something out of this. And, but yeah, it definitely took me a year, maybe two years to really uh, focus and, and realize that, you know, I'm at a university. I'm not here just to play soccer I'm here to get an education and, you know, get what I can out of it and, uh, and, and see what that, where that can take me, obviously, you know, and I guess at that point, knowing that, you know, realistically, I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player, no matter how bad I, I may have wanted it, uh, you know, in my younger years, it, it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I needed to sort of uh, open up some other doors for myself and, you know, obviously that comes through being an education. So, yeah. Yeah. So your first year at uh, cap winds up being the O two O three season, I believe. Um, yes. And I guess that was really the last year of Joe being the head coach and you no know, Paul taking more of a role as the assistant. And then O three O four sounds like that was Paul's first year as head coach. And that winds up being a national championship year for you guys um, in his first year as the, as the head guy, Uh, Mm -hmm. what comes to mind when you think about the fall of 2003 would have been your second year. I think you were still a striker at that point in time. I'm not sure you can tell me about the. the, Yeah, no, I I was, I I guess going into the preseason, I was, you know, I imagine in most people's minds, I was a striker because I was the the year before. Um, But I, think it was like a week into preseason or something and I, I kept saying to Paul um you know I'm, I'm a defender I'm a defender and I've been a defender for my metro teams growing up for BC teams growing up everywhere I've played I've always been a defender um and he said okay you know yeah yeah like I'll give you a look and uh, so he did I think it was in a preseason game or two and you know from I guess from that game on I was never never moved um from there you know he, he's probably like what the hell are you playing up front for all these all these games last year and so I said I tried to tell Joe but you know he I guess he's a stubborn Italian guy and, <laughs> and wanted me, wanted me up there. So yeah, thankfully, uh, thankfully, I guess there was a place for me at the back and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, from then on, I, uh, I, uh, I guess I held on to that position. So, well, it's understandable, right? Like putting the ball in the net is the hardest thing to do in the game. Right. So it's understandable. Somebody th- sees that in you that they want you to do that. Right. It's maybe thought of, being a little easier to defend. You can't teach someone to score as easily as um, you can maybe teach them to, to mark other players and take care of their own end. Yes. No, fair enough. Yeah. People would say that. I mean, it, it was ironic that I think most of the goals, if not all the goals I scored were with my head, um, you know, which sort of makes sense when you realize that I'm a defender. When, when, once they realized I was a defender, you know, obviously that was something I was very used to doing. Um, and I guess that was why I scored all these headers, but uh, not a lot with my right or left foot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look, you know, you have 12 career goals at cap and six of them came in that first year when you were a striker. I mean, you might've wound up amongst the all time leaders at the top. You're you're on the list, but not right at the very top. If you just stuck as a, as a striker. Yeah, no, I'm certainly no, uh, no Corey Burza or Keith Jackson. That's for sure. So. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Love that. Love the name (laughs) drops. I know Corey was a teammate of yours and, uh, well, that was kind of what I wanted to maybe get into a bit next. Your first year, some of the top goal scorers, Maysam Sultani, um, yourself, Tino Kuka. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. What do yeah, you, it's... what comes to mind when you think about those players? Obviously talented players able to, to finish. Um, mm-hmm. 
what was it like playing with those guys? I mean, there was obviously there was a ton of, you know, a ton of very, very good players. I honestly, I have no idea how, how Joe and, and Paul and others, um, honestly, how they recruited so many players in one year. Cause when you look at the roster, I think there was, there was only three, maybe four returning players. Uh, and they were all, they were all second year players. And there was like 14 of us that were first year players, which you know, usually when you look at a college university program, that's, very very young program and a very very young team and you're probably not going to win many things um but yeah i mean the the talent on the on the roster was incredible you know starting all the way starting at the back i mean dennis kendall was honestly i've always said is the best i mean i've played with some very very good goalies but i would say he would be top two that i played with all time um and certainly i would say he's the best goalie you know and i i probably know a lot of them over the years uh, given that I've been involved, was involved with the program for a number of years as a player and a coach, but you know, starting with him and, and your guys at the back, Tyler Jones and uh, uh, who was it, Eric, Eric the Swede, Eric Radberg, he was our big Swedish center back. Um, you know, he was incredible. Drew Jelly. Um, you know, I, I think about it earlier when you, when you have a team that has a guy like Drew Jelly who uh, you know who played a couple years then and then took a few years off, came back to cap, and I think he won. He was on the team when we when we won in 008, I think it was, um, right. you know, and, and you got a guy like him, that's a, an incredible player that, you know, it was hard to get him on the field because we had such a good back line. And so, you know, obviously Paul was, you know, finding other places to put him, you know, in, whether it's in center midfield or whatever, just because the team was that deep and was that good. And then, you know, you, you obviously look into the attacking players, Tino and Maysam and uh, Des Tachi, Steve de Blasio. I mean, all these guys, it was, yeah. It, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm forgetting some guys as well, but uh, it was a very, very, very solid group. You know, I've, I've always said, um, you know, from my coaching days, from my playing days, from my coaching days at CAP, and even from when I when I moved on from coaching at CAP, obviously I was still, um, I guess, in close contact with a lot of the guys and a lot of the younger guys. And I've always said to everyone, you know, that in my opinion, the best team that I've ever seen with CAP has always been that 3 um, you know, I, I don't think anything compares. And I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of the guys would have something to say about that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, front to back, uh, it was it was just an unbelievable thing. And thankfully, we we won something. Um, obviously, there were uh, regrets as well, uh, you know, and, and uh, mistakes made and, and games lost that we probably shouldn't have in, in other seasons with with much of the same roster. But uh, at least we got it done that one year. Real quick, just a friendly PSA reminder for all your blues, notes, and news. Follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Capilano Blues. Well, I love hearing about those names. I mean, Dennis obviously remains heavily involved, the yes. head coach of our women's team. Desmond remains heavily involved. He's uh, an assistant coach along with Adam Day right now on our men's side. Yeah. So really cool to, to hear uh, some stories about them and maybe we can revisit that a little bit later. But um, so in that 03, fall of 03 winds up being the national championship year. Um, I think the nationals that year were at Douglas College. So yes, it wasn't a big, center. it wasn't a big travel trip for you guys to go to the nationals like it is for a lot of the other teams. And that sort of, it winds up being a bit of a recurring theme with you and the nationals in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, not having to go too far, but um, obviously Douglas and cap over the years have had the big rivalry and that's in all sports, is but that certainly that? in soccer um, the years you were there cap or Douglas was finished one, two in the standings. What do you remember about that rivalry of going into a, a weekend of games against Douglas? I mean, it's obviously it's a long, long time ago now, so it's uh, uh, hard to think back. But, you know, just knowing that, you know, knowing that whenever we were playing them, whenever the, I guess the schedule was released, as cliche as that, that sounds, you know, it was always it was always circled on the schedule. And we always knew that, you know, when we played them, it was going to be all the battle and, uh, you know, it was going to get ugly. And uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we were we were very likely always going to match up with them in the provincials at some point, and whether it's semifinals or final um, and I would say really, you know, obviously really look forward to those games. I mean, those are the, especially as a defender, those are the games you, you love to play, you know, where you can whack people and, and it's, there's more, more meaning to it than you know, just another game. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, things that just make me sick, even to, to this day, just, uh, mistakes that were made in, in, uh, in some of those games, I can think back to one time, I think we were 
would, would have been the provincial final to go to nationals. And we, I think we were undefeated all season. We'd let in four goals all season. This was probably the year after 03. Uh, we, we let in four goals the entire year in, in 12 games. And uh, it was provincial cup final playing them. We were, you know, we were undefeated. And I, uh, I made a mistake on the top of the 18. I think I, I literally like tripped on my own feet. It was just the most bonehead play you've ever seen. And their guy takes it in and scores uh, on Bennett's like three minutes before halftime. And it was just, it was so deflating because we, we hadn't been down. We hadn't been on the wrong side of the score the entire season. So it was almost like we, in a way, we didn't know how to react and how to respond to it. Um, right. I, I just remember going off at halftime and going behind the bench and honestly and throwing up. I was with wow. with the mistake I made and, and just the nerves were, you know, the nerves obviously before the game are going crazy, but then you you do something like that and it's, you know, you just feel awful. You know, you've made this mistake that could potentially cost your team, um, you know, cost your team the, the chance to go to nationals and knowing how hard it is to, to get there and to, you know, and to, to get there and to win something is is uh, not a good feeling. So uh, yeah, that, that's my, uh, that's probably one of my, my strongest uh, feel or memories uh, about, about the Douglas rivalry, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, obviously at times we were on more often than not, I think we were on the uh, the good side of the result, but uh, you know, when it, when it mattered most, it was uh, a mistake that was made. And then I think, I honestly think that the next year it was the exact same thing that happened. And I think it was the Douglas as well in the provincial cup final and uh, provincial playoff final, I should say. And uh, I think it was Ty Jones this time that did uh, pull the, pulled, I did. And uh, and we again lost in the final. I think it was to Douglas again. You, you probably have the records on that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I it, think they uh, won 04 and 05. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, not a good feeling, but uh, you know, that's how it goes. Obviously. It's amazing after all these years that it's not so much the thrill of victory in like an 03 Nationals that that yeah. sticks in your mind as as good as that felt and as much mm. as you should celebrate that when you think back it's the sting of, of something frustrating that comes to mind yeah just yeah, absolutely the the you know the regrets obviously is the biggest thing for me like even i mean that was over almost 20 years ago wasn't it what are we 2021 so yeah literally almost 20 years ago and it's uh it certainly doesn't feel like 20 years ago that's for sure but uh but yeah not a tough one to take <laughs> Well, let's uh, spend maybe a bit more time on something a bit more pleasant to think about, which is the sure. 03 National Championship, the, the one championship national title you won as a player at Douglas College. I think it was hosted at uh, Town Centre Stadium in Coquitlam. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about the two games you would have had leading into the into the finals, if anything? And then, you know, the final was obviously a real tight one. It wound up being a one nothing final against Seneca. What Seneca, comes yeah. to mind when you uh, think about that? that 03 national championship? You know, I, I honestly cannot remember anything from the games leading into the final. Um, you know, knowing, I certainly, excuse me, I certainly remember, you know, matching up against Seneca and I think they were heavily, heavily favored. Um, I think they were number one. I think they were number one most of the season. Uh, you know, and coming from Ontario, which is, you know, typically known as the, the strongest uh, program or the strongest, uh, you know, conference. Um, whether it's university college, uh, university of college or provincial programs and whatever, they're always known as a very, very strong program. So, you know, coming in, I think their, their guys were player of the year. They had two or three all Canadians and their coach was coach of the year. And it was just, you know, it, it just showed in every way that they should be winning this game. Um, thankfully it didn't go that way, but, uh, you know, I just, I remember obviously matching up with them in the final and, and it being, you know, an incredible game, uh, a hell of a battle. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I can't remember who scored. It must have been Tino. You know, I think scored. so. Tino was yeah. the MVP of the O3 yeah. Nationals. Yeah, so he, he would have scored the game winner then. <laughs> I think it, yeah, I think it was Tino from, I think it was from Tachi that, uh, that, uh, that scored the goal. And, yeah, I mean, thankfully, thankfully we're on the right side of that one because that uh, would have been a huge, huge disappointment. But, yeah, they were, I mean, obviously they were an amazing team. I think they were back at it the next year, or it was them or Algonquin, I think, were right back in the finals. Um, well, yeah, obviously a great program, but uh, yeah, thankfully, thankfully we got the job done. Um, but yeah, if you had five one win in your quarterfinal, or five one win your first game, four one win your second game, and then a one nothing squeaker in the finals. Who do were who were the semi or not the semis? Because it's just group so game. you played uh, Kings in the Kings first College. game, okay. and then you wound up playing. You had a, you played the first day, had the second day off. Third day you played Champlain Saint Lambert, Saint okay. Lambert. 
and a 4-1 win. So you had nine goals in two games and then squeaked out a one nothing win in the final. <laughs> I'm sure it was an exciting one. I think I, I think there's actually a DVD or something still going around with uh, with that one. It'd be nice to watch, actually. Yeah, I'd love to get our hands on that, too. Um, so that's the 2003 season. Uh, you were uh, you were named uh, a conference all-star every t- every season that you were with uh, Cap. And in, I guess in those years, you were just had four years of eligibility. The players, uh, student-athletes get five years of eligibility now. But you were a second-team all-star as a first-year player when you were a striker. And then the last three years, uh, when you were a defender, you were also a first-team all-star. So... Um, showed a lot of versatility. Um, do you remember, like, was it a much of a deal when the all-star teams were announced? You guys even remember it's such a different time pre social media and internet was still fairly young. So, um, yeah, that that's very true. Um, no, I mean, obviously it was great. You know, it was, it was, I'm sure we all, all the guys on the team looked forward to going to make me sound very old, but looking at the North shore news, when, you know, when it was announced, when we all saw the, uh, the, the you know, our pictures in there or whatever it was yeah of course it was very cool to to uh, I guess be be recognized as you know having a, a consistent season you know it's I guess it's easy here or there to have a good game or two or score some goals in a game or two but yeah to be to be consistently solid throughout the season and um, you know consistently get the results for the team and of course you know, it's great to uh, be recognized and I think you know for me especially as a defender uh, you know in three of those four years it's always nice to be recognized as a defender because typically when you see MVPs and when you see all-stars and all Canadians and things in, in any sports, it's, it's usually the goal scorers or the finishers, you know, those types of things. Um, so it is nice as a defense to be recognized, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it. Wasn't. <laughs> so uh, your final seasons playing were the 04 season and 05 season. Again, you guys got close in the provincials, but couldn't quite get past some strong Douglas teams. Um, when did you start, because you transitioned to being an assistant coach alongside Paul the mm-hmm. year immediately after you finished playing. So when did you kind of start thinking that would be a possibility for you? Um, I think, I actually think my, probably my second or third year at CAP, I started coaching as like a, probably like a junior coach or something at West Van, uh, West Van Soccer Club back then. And so, you know, when I was, when I was finishing up with school, I remember, I remember, it's funny you said that about the five-year thing now, four years back then, and now it's five years, because I think the change happened when I was, was very close to when I was finishing up. And I remember Paul trying to, to work something with Joe and trying to get the, whoever it was back then, BCCS, BCCA, whatever, um, to, to get me to be able to play a fifth year because they were trying to, they were trying to say that, you know, this is why I should qualify for it or whatever it was. So um, obviously that didn't happen. So the fact that I was still, still going to be a student, you know, as I said, it took me a good year or two to really sort of start focusing on school. Um, so for that reason, I was definitely behind uh, as far as, you know, if I wanted to get a degree. So I knew that I had, you know, probably two years left of, classes um so you know I said Paul you know if you guys need another assistant you and Darren need to add an assistant next year I'd be very happy to do it I'm going to be here at school anyways um you know obviously I know a lot of the guys maybe it would be sort of a good in between you know having a younger coach um you know for the for the especially for the young guys um and so that's kind of how it worked you know he was like sure you know that makes sense for them it's another body around um you know another person to help out and for me you know for me uh, be honest it was probably looking back and, and looking forward now to where I'm at it was probably uh the best decision I ever made because you know I would I would honestly say that I I don't imagine I'd be where I am today uh, I don't imagine I'd be as heavily involved in coaching soccer and and involved in soccer in general uh if I hadn't have gotten involved with cap you know I learned so so much from all back then um you know it was it was an incredible opportunity it was you know someone I I looked up to as my, as my coach, uh, you know, for those years when I played for him and then now to be able to coach with him and and learn from him and, you know, sort of get his thoughts on things and going into games and going into practice, things like that. It was, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience and and definitely, you know, where uh, I'd say the reason uh, um, I'm I'm at where I'm, where I am today. So yeah, a lot to be thankful for being given that opportunity. Was the relationship you had with Paul playing under him, uh, and then transitioning to playing alongside him was, was that pretty smooth? And I also want you to think about what it was like playing as teammates with a lot of guys that you were then a coach of the very next year was any awkwardness or any kind of transitional uh, things that needed to take place for that to work. 
you know, I don't think as far as with the guys, I don't, it's hard to think back, uh, you know, how it actually was day to day, but, you know, I don't imagine it would have been uh, just because obviously I was friendly with a lot of them. Um, and then the new ones coming in, it was easy because they didn't know me as a player, but, you know, I think I didn't come in there and try and be this, uh, you know, coach that was going to tell them what to do and things like that. It was more sort of, uh, I guess, a way like a captain role or a player coach type of role. Cause, you know, I would jump in the sessions and training and so on. And so I'd really be as involved as, as I would have been the year before as a player. I just wouldn't be jumping on the field you know, on the weekend. So it was, as I said, it was probably just a, in a way, a good in-between for the, for the guys. And, and for me as well, I, I wasn't coming in there to yell and scream at them and try and be a, a, be a coach. Um, it was more sort of, yeah, an in-between and sort of a, you know, someone they could go to if they had issues, if they weren't happy with playing time or positions they were being played in or different things then I could sort of be that in-between and go to Paul and say, look, this is you know some of the guys are thinking and things like that. So I think as far as, as far as with them, it, it wasn't a difficult thing, um, you know, to go from being a, a player under Paul and then to being a coach for him. Um, I'd say just the personality that he is and the kind of guy he is, it, it wasn't at all difficult. It was, you know, it was a very, a very easy transition. Um, and it was nice to get to, to know him. You know, obviously I knew him as a coach and, and respected him as a coach and as a person that way, but then to get to know him, you know, sort of not now as, as my coach, but more as a, uh, you know, as a friend and obviously someone I could talk to about things uh, was was it was a great thing to see and was 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 really nice to see so you uh you mentioned no that's great thanks for sharing that um you mentioned that you were maybe not always a an easy player to coach as a younger guy and I don't know if that started to change when you got to university but what would uh what would Leo Nash the coach say about Leo Nash the young player I was an idiot um to be (laughs) honest I I was you know I yeah a couple of things I think back when I was I had, there was a coach that came up from the States to, to watch me out in Langley when I was playing for Fraser Valley and he was coming to, to, I guess, scout me for a game and he was watching the game with my dad on the sideline and talking to him. And my dad was, you know, telling obviously telling him different things that I do and, oh my God, he does this so well and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was probably 20 minutes into the game and I was just being such an idiot because I was probably thinking back and I was probably pretty hyped up that there was this out there from Pennsylvania or wherever it was, you know, all the way, came up here all the way just to see me play in Langley, um, you know. And so I was a little, uh, I guess the adrenaline was running a little too high and I was just running about like, you know, acting tough and, you know, trying to, uh, I don't know, honestly fight guys, but just whacking guys and getting in their face and just dumb stuff like that. Um so, you know, I, I, as I said, I would say probably at 16, 17, 18, uh, I'd say for sure at least one year at cap, uh, I was an idiot. Uh, you know, I was, I was very immature. That would be the, the way to put it. Um, and definitely uh, thought I was a lot tougher <laughs> than I am. <laughs> and, uh, and Paul, uh, Paul put me in my place pretty quick. And I think that was, uh, you know, as probably 18, 19 year old, that was what uh, certainly what put me in the right direction um you know as far as being disciplined and you know and realizing not everyone's out there not everyone's out there to get me when it comes to on the field and and things like that so yeah thankfully uh thankfully I changed my ways yeah well it's a great reflection obviously something you've thought about and um you know can't change what happened but it makes you who you are now and probably Mm -hmm. informs how you coach and what you look for in players too so you know, that's part of, of growing up and being the person that you are now. So it's, you know, interesting to, to look back and I thank you for that reflection. Um, so bringing it back to cap and your assistant coaching role alongside Paul, um, there's obviously a couple seasons where you guys were again, strong, but it was the fall of 2008, uh, that you wind up winning the provincials again and getting to the national tournament, which, that year was at Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops. Mm-hmm. So kind of funny that both years you advanced to the nationals, it was just a car ride. You didn't get a big yeah. flight at, uh, back east or, or anywhere else. You were uh, heading up the heading up the Coquihalla to Thompson Rivers. And that tournament sounded like a wild one in terms of the amount of goals that were scored. Yeah. Yeah, that was a well. The final specifically, I can't. I can't again. I can't remember how the the rest of the games went, but. Uh, I've, I've certainly seen the uh, the DVD of that one. Um, I know Corey Berza and Evan Chapman and those guys still, I honestly still see posts on Facebook every once in a while about, about those guys commenting on that game and commenting on, you know, on, on how it went and all the rest of it. 
um, yeah, that was unreal. I can't even remember. I think it was as crazy as it sounds. I think it was five, one or four, one at halftime that we were down. Wow. Uh, and then we ended up winning six, five. I think that's how it went. That's correct. Yeah. Six, five final. I had no idea. Six, about five, how it yeah. Got it there. was six, five final. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like, and Ori and Evan and Alan McIndoe will know every single, every single fact and highlight about that game. So I, <laughs> they're going to grill me after this, but I, I think it was five, one at half. And I think all I remember is, uh, Paul giving the most, like literally this was, this has still been talked about like up until the last few years that the, the speech he gave at halftime uh, when we went in the change room down, as I said, probably five, one uh, was, was literally the, the type of thing you see from like NFL coach. Like it was, it was like the most legendary halftime talk and the guys, I just remember the guys going out and just, you know, I mean, absolutely unbelievable obviously unbelievable second half to, to come back and win it uh five but it was i mean it was literally all down to motivating the guys uh you know and really lighting a fire under them uh and and not not only you know yelling and screaming and swearing but just the the, the actual things he was saying were just and i can't even think back to any of them but it was just unbelievable you know and it really just as a player it can really um you know give you that huge boost that huge you know jolt need and clearly it did um you know for for all the guys to respond as they did so yeah that was uh well, that was a crazy crazy one so it winds <laughs> up a 6-5 final over algonquin college um mm. milad ramadi was the mvp of that tournament what uh what was he like as a player long time ago yeah he was always a very very talented player i think he was at Qualtland for a year or two uh before he came to cap um He's there for two years at Quantlin and, you know, he was always a North fan kid. And I actually grew up playing with him uh, on BC teams and stuff. He was an underage player. And, uh, and yeah, he was, he was just an incredibly talented player, um, you know, and, and wanted to do uh, whatever it took, uh, whatever he had to do as an individual or whatever it took um, to make sure the team won. And, you know, I, to be fair, he was obviously played with a lot of, a lot of very, very good uh, attacking players over the years, but I would say he was, probably the 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 highest on the list as far as just a real game changer that could you know could if something needed to be done he would take the ball and do it you know similar to what you see like when it's I say more of an individual sport here and there um as opposed to soccer but he would you know if something needed to be done you could count on him to get it done uh, attack wise for sure um yeah so i'm sure he's fully deserving of how many goals he got in the game or assists but i'm sure he was the, uh, the MVP award. Do you remember yeah. any of those five goals you would have scored in the second half as a, oh. from you were coaching, but I mean, that's <laughs> to five score five goals in a half of soccer, man. It just doesn't happen, especially in a national final. Yeah. Yeah. And in a national final against uh, obviously a very, very strong Ontario team. Um, no, I can't remember. I would imagine that actually, I think I remember Ricky Teixeira scoring one and Ricky was not a guy that scored many goals. Um, he won't be happy hearing me say that, but he was not a guy that scores a lot of goals. But uh, but he, I think he scored one, and it was uh, a rocket uh, that he scored. And I'm sure Alad and Corey would have scored one of each, knowing that they did most games. So, yeah, very very cool cool game to think back on. Um, well, that's that's great recollection. I know it. It's when I think back to. 10 15 years ago i'm like oh you know it's not that long ago but it is it's over a decade right so oh, things get things kind of the memories kind of fuzz together um, absolutely but yeah. what uh yeah that's uh, really cool to hear the story about paul and his speech at halftime and you know when you guys get together as alums that that's a story that still comes up amongst you guys mm-hmm. yeah I'm, and i'm sure it will for another 20 years or so no doubt i mean you know we're as you know obviously we're we're all it's, closely connected for most of us as far as west fan as well um you know through through the cap connection so yeah it is nice to still see a lot of a lot of familiar faces from cap days uh involved now with west fan so. right um i guess uh i think you have some white caps experience as a player on your resume correct yeah not like not really i mean it, it was more the reserve team like i think i was i think i was finished at cap and uh Chris Bennett was the co- was they, they were starting up a reserve team for the Whitecaps and it was sort of meant to be more of like an under 23 type team. Um, and so, yeah, I guess Chris Bennett uh, was an ex uh, Olympic national national team and Olympic team coach and so on. And he was based in lower mainland. So he basically got in touch with a bunch of 
bunch of college university guys that were were finished up and you know i guess my age at the time i, I imagine it was 22 23 um and yeah put together a, a white caps reserve and that's that's kind of the extent of my uh my, my Whitecaps days. Um, so I, I guess it was the reserve team. Uh, it didn't, you know, it certainly wasn't as official as it would be these days. Um, but, you know, to be fair, there were, I'd say there were three or four of the guys um, from that, from that connection that ended up actually uh, turning out for the Whitecaps. So, um, you know, from Yaz Canberra was at Langara when, when we played against him and so on. And he was with that team. I think Tino may have been how he got involved as well um, through that. So, so yeah, it was a good connection. It was, you know, Related to the Whitecaps, but I wouldn't say it was like a team type thing. Right. So I guess at that time you were doing the reserve team also, I guess, as assistant coach at CAP and maybe finishing mm-hmm. up some classes. Is that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I was at. Yeah. Um, and then, and then obviously involved with my, my role with West Fan as a coach um, with the youth club had, had grown. So I was doing Metro teams and things um, for them as well. Um, and then playing for that, you know, playing for that men's premier team as well. Um, excuse me, uh, with West Ham. So as well as the, the one cap thing. Right. And then, you know, the, the connection that you still had with cap as an assistant that allowed you to stay in the cap environment and met someone that's pretty important in your life now too. Right. And maybe that doesn't happen if you didn't stick around as a coach, who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of, as, as everyone has, right. There's a lot of decisions you make that I guess lead you to where you're at. And, you know, if I had a, had gone to the states, or if I hadn't have stayed on as a coach at Cap and things like that, then yeah, I, I, I don't imagine I would have met Claire. Um, she she was a volleyball player, Claire Ferguson. She was a volleyball player at Cap for for years. Uh, she'll be mad at me for saying this, but uh, an all star and a very very uh, very very successful uh, player there under Wayne Desjardins. And uh, yeah, we we met there um, as as I was a coach, an assistant coach, and still a student put that on the record and uh she was she was a volleyball player and uh yeah we, we met through that and uh and now it's been uh eight nine years and we've been married for uh yeah married for almost three years now and uh have a a little boy no god four years almost four years oh um and uh, let me Five years, sorry, five years this May. I'm looking at the date on the wall here because it's a, <laughs> a frame picture. So yes, five years in May, and uh, yeah, we have a little boy, uh, Finley. Uh, he's he's uh, 21 months old, and then a uh, another little boy on the way. So yeah, I mean it's crazy. That's awesome. I love love hearing those stories as somebody that's I'm not yet two years on the job at Cap, but just finding out some of our alumni and to hear about like that's that's a really cool sort of blues family power duo you and you and Claire both you know, standout <laughs> athletes and the life you guys are making for yourself that's really cool to hear about that story and thank you for for sharing that about uh, about your family um I stumbled my way through it so <laughs> well at least you got <laughs> you go. at least you figured you remembered that your anniversary is coming <laughs> yeah, up so. yeah exactly <laughs> write that down <laughs> um so I want to uh, kind of switch into just your opinions on uh on football matters now just look thinking about players um who was the best player that you shared the pitch with, either as a teammate or somebody you played against? It could be, it could be, I mean, it could be a cap era. It could be before that, though, you know, maybe that's a bit going back a bit young, or it could be mm-hmm. White Caps era as well. Oh, man. Like, as stupid as this sounds, I honestly couldn't pick, I honestly could not pick a player. Like, I, I think from every, from every sort of, yes. Uh, you know, era or, or uh, part of my my career, um, my soccer career, youth career, and all that. There would be too many to to list. You know, I mean, obviously playing with the men's premier team and playing with Paul Daly, and um, you know, playing with him uh, as a as a player um, with West Fan and playing. You know, these guys, Irish guys that we've had come over, Cotsey, um, uh, different guys like that. Alan McIndoe would be one that jumps out the most. Uh, and I guess I played and coached him, so he would be he'd be a good. Uh, a good pick, but just a, a very quiet, unassuming guy and, uh, and plays exactly that way as well. Um, but then, you know, goes and gets the job done. And still to this day, actually, I, I coached him for our men's premier team at West Fed. I, I'm coaching the premier team there and he, he still plays. I think he, I'm not sure if he's committed to playing this September, if there is a season, but, uh, but yeah, you know, there's just, there's honestly too many. I mean, May Sam, the lad, Tino would be guys from, from way, way back, Des Tachi. Um, Ori Burza, Alan McIndoe from 
sort of the mid the mid cap years, and then you know, obviously the the newer cap years. I mean, guys like Jackson, um, who's way up there on the scoring charts, um, who, who's also now obviously transitioned over to West Van, and so I've been coaching him the last few years and played with him as well. Um, yeah, there's just there's too many guys, and and I have no doubt that I've probably forgotten uh, some some guys that would probably be in the top five. So I uh, apologize for that, but yeah, it, no, it's I, a hard question. Not certainly not something I, yeah, you don't want to leave I, uh, anyone out. Much right? about so, yeah, <laughs> no, no I, you don't uh, want to, but anyways, I appreciate uh, you bringing up those names. Um, it's, uh, it's really cool to get that perspective. Um, okay. Now thinking, expanding to like world football, world cup club teams, who mm-hmm. is the, who is the best footballer of all time? Of all time. Well, has, uh, Messi would be the best player of all time. Okay. Um, but my opinion but uh but yeah i mean you know obviously i like him but i i i don't pick for myself i don't pick i wouldn't pick attacking guys like i would pick uh vendors and things like that my personal favorite breckenbauer guy maybe no like ledley king would be my guy but nobody nobody listens to this will probably have heard of him but he was (laughs) a uh he was a tottenham center back and tottenham's my team and uh okay he was just an unbelievable center back for tottenham and for england and so yeah he would be one uh yan vertongen um, those types of guys, Michael Dawson, but boring, boring center backs. Well, I know we were hoping to, you know, attract some of the football community. And when we get this out there into the world and share it, um, hopefully that, you know, there's some traction, you're still heavily involved in the game and people are going to love hearing your thoughts on you know, what kind of players you like watching. And so, um, no, I appreciate you bringing up those names. That's, uh, that's very cool. Um, I was going to ask you favorite club team now, but I think we've yeah. let the cat out of the bag on that. Yeah, so yeah. how did that come about? Does that go back to like the area you grew up in England or? Uh, not necessarily, not the area I grew up in, but when I was, yeah, when I was in England, uh, my dad, my dad was a Tottenham fan from the age of like five or six. He went, he went off to boarding, to boarding school in London and uh, basically was asked what team he supported. And he knew that one kid liked Arsenal and one liked West Ham and one liked Chelsea. So he, uh, he chose another London team and Tottenham was the team he picked. And uh, so, you know, basically from the age of five or six, I'm having a bright yellow Tottenham jersey. Um, and, you know, I'd say ever since then, they were my team. I, I definitely uh, swayed. Um, I liked Liverpool, hard to admit, but I liked Liverpool for a few years. And it was more so because my one of my favorite players was this Jamie Redknapp. Uh, he was a midfielder for Liverpool. And he well, his dad there. coached Spurs, so his dad did coach, yeah, yeah, and he actually came and played at Tottenham <clears throat> a few years later. But yeah, so yeah, good. That's good you know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, so he, Jamie Redknapp was my guy, and so then I yeah for for a couple of years, my dad still likes to bug me about it, but uh, I definitely had some Liverpool jerseys with Redknapp on the back. Um, but then you know once once I realized cotton was the game that i was right back there so well, i'm, I'm not yeah. near near the football fan that that you are and have the depth of knowledge but if i were to pick a side for me it would be tottenham as well wow i really, really like uh i think of like an aaron lennon or jermaine yeah, foe yeah. and then Very of course cool. bale gareth bale i loved him left footer yeah and then yeah. harry kane nowadays like there's oh, some yeah. some super exciting players that they've had over the years and i've always kind of been a scoring attacking team and yeah yeah you know, that's yeah. exciting yeah. to watch to so Wow, yeah. that's cool because yeah, you certainly uh, unfortunately don't hear of a lot of Tottenham fans. So <laughs> it's nice to hear that there's another one around. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, what else was I going to ask you about football wise? So you're a messy guy as, a, as an all timer. Uh, that's yeah, as we have yeah. more as we have more soccer guests on here. I'm interested to see what other names come up. I kind of thought that might be the way that you go, but um, you know the other names in that conversation: Pele, uh, Maradona. Um, Ronaldo, probably the the older one and the current one, those names yeah, come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I, I think I'd, I'd be a Messi guy over a Ronaldo guy just because of you know obviously they're both unbelievable as far as on the field, but I think personality wise and and that type of thing, you know, for me Messi just a likable guy, and I Ronaldo could be a I guess not so likable or more controversial. So I, that's kind of what sways my opinion because you know, stats wise they're obviously both ridiculous. So right. That would be that would be why. And uh, I wanted to, as we, as we wind it down here, kind of uh, throw some sort of off field questions at you. Were you a, a big guy about like a superstition or a pregame? What I wanted to specifically ask you about was like a pre, pregame meal. Were you a specific pregame meal guy as a player? And even now? Uh, well, I don't play anymore. I, I retired. I said retired a couple of years ago because I took over the men's premier team at West End. So once I did that, I didn't want to, 
be a player coach. It wasn't a, wasn't a role I thought I would be too good at. So I chose to just stop playing at, I guess it was 34 ish. Um, so yeah, I've been coaching now. So, so now I don't have any pregame, um, you know, traditions uh, as far as uh, meals and things like that or routines. But I think when I was a player, um, thinking all the way back to cap days and that, not really um, as far as meals and things like that, I probably could have, um, but uh, you know, if, yeah, <laughs> I won't get into what I may have eaten sometimes on the way to the field, but, but uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't say I did, but as far as pregame superstitions and that, yeah, just weird, weird things, um, you know, like putting on the left shin pad first or taping around the, my shin pad three times under my socks and stupid things like that. Just weird, weird little things. I can't even think of any others, but I'm sure there, I'm sure there were, um, but yeah, really, it's been so long, especially I think I probably stopped those once I finished at cap, um, you know, once once I just started playing men's. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing else that jumps out. OK, now uh, I, I don't I have no idea what your preferences are in this area, but could you recommend a binge worthy TV show that maybe you've gotten into at any point in the past or now? Well, right now, that's funny you should ask. Uh, Shit's Creek is one I've been watching. <laughs> Claire and I have been watching, which I know is it, it definitely takes a few episodes to get into, right. but it is it is an unreal show. It is hilarious. Um, yeah. I think all four of the main main characters are so good. Um, so that would be one show for now. And then I guess uh, in the past, Sopranos would be my sort of my okay. all time Sopranos. Yeah. For sure, would be one of all time uh, favorites. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I'll just keep going. But, but yeah, Sopranos for sure. And then these days, Shits Creek. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I had never really got much Sopranos in the past. I never had HBO, but I have it now. So that may be something I get into. I've been into Curb Your Enthusiasm a bit lately on HBO. But yeah, my That's partner cool, and yeah. I, she and I got into uh, Shits Creek and watched it front to back. Yeah. So yeah, and I was a bit <laughs> a like you. It, it sort of takes a bit to get warmed up. You stick with it. But yeah, um, yeah it's become kind of a cult following. Um, and cool, cool that it's a Canadian show as well, right? Yeah. Don't unfortunately yeah. that much, but, uh, but yeah. Oh, cool. exactly. Um, last one I'll throw at, throw at you kind of custom tailor made for you as a, as a father with young kids, what's your go-to meal or snack? You got to throw something together in a pinch for Finley and you know, he's, he's particular. You don't have too much time. What is your kind of go-to to, to make him happy? Well, thankfully for him, uh, Claire does most of the cooking and meal prep. And that, so, uh, but if I was in a real jam, I would just throw some toast in, uh, peanut peanut butter and jam, right? Cut off the crusts and cut it up into little squares. He's a no crust guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think for now he he seems to be. So we, we yeah we let him decide for now, as you can imagine. But uh, but yeah, that that would be that would be the go to. It's hard for dad. <laughs> yeah. Dad can't even screw up toast, right? So yeah. That's... Well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not. If anyone could, probably would be me. All right. Well, that's, that kind of, uh, is the end of our, uh, list of things I wanted to get to today. I, uh, anything you wanted to finish up with people you wanted to thank or recognize as we, as we wrap up here? Uh, no, I mean, I think I, hopefully I covered most of it, you know, um, I think as far as the soccer thing, I, I would just say, and this is not like as a trying to sell cap as a school to people, but I, I would say that, you know, I, for me, the only, the only regrets, the only um, negatives that I can think of as far as cap all the way back is, is as I covered earlier, is just the, the regrets as far as in a game, you know, a mistake that was made or something, um, you know, things like that. Other than that, I mean, honestly, my, my experience with cap uh, at cap as a student at cap as a coach, um, you know, was nothing but positive. And, you know, I, I really think it was a, um, a lot of fun to be a part of and was, uh, you know, was, as I said, was, was, the, the probably cap in general is the the main reason um, I'm at where I'm at today, you know, as far as in soccer, in my life, you know, personal life as well. Um, so, yeah, I think really I have a lot to be, to be thankful for um, to cap and, you know, to guys like Joe and guys like Paul um, and, and all the players and guys that I played with and coached and things like that. Um, yeah. It's been a really cool thing. I, I appreciate being asked to be on this. I, this is certainly not something I'm comfortable doing uh, as I told you, and you reached out to me. Um, but, you know, uh, I guess it's cool to, you know, to, to think back on these memories and think back on these, these experiences that I've gone through. And, you know, hopefully it's uh, somewhat interesting to a few people. Um, 
And I'm, I'm sure no doubt your future interviews will be far more exciting than I am. So uh, it can, <laughs> oh, only, go on. up, can only go up from here. So there no, you go. no, I uh, but, appreciate you um, taking the time to reflect. It's uh, maybe a lot of stuff you haven't thought about much, but obviously some things you, you have. And um, yeah, for me, that's still kind of learning the, uh, the history of cap you blues and you know the strength of the football programs over the years soccer as we call them obviously but um yeah it's it's great to learn about that from your perspective and thanks so much uh, leo for spending time with us today no thank you i really appreciate it and you know i it's great you guys are uh, you guys are coming up with these these types of ideas and these types of, of ways of uh, you know getting the, the interest out there and, and sort of things out there about cap so credit to you and the milt for uh, you know for putting it on so thanks so much absolutely thank you there we have it. Episode one of the Cap U Blues podcast is in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Check back with us soon. We will have an athlete from one of our women's teams, an alum from the, the female side of things, as our next guest. So check back with us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.